Welcome to episode 2 of season 11 of Delving Into Dance. Before getting into this interview, a quick update. On the website delvingintodance.com, there is a new initiative publishing written articles about dance. This initiative has been very popular so far and really worth checking out. Now for this season. Season 11 is focused on Australian-born dancers and makers living and working overseas. This episode is with the charismatic dancer James Vuan Pham, who is currently dancing with Akram Khan in London. I started by asking, when did dance start? I actually started uh, when I was 15, which I think um, is actually quite... Like, it's late, but also it's sort of a nice sort of average age for a young male dancer to begin at that time. Um, and it kind of just snowballed and happened really quickly, kind of almost out of the blue. I'd started, um, uh, studying music at a really young age and went to, uh, a music arts school. Um, and I just remember having a lot of trouble performing, um, in general, like I, I, I had a lot of difficulty focusing so much energy um, into certain parts of my body, like my hands or my mouth, depending on what I was playing. Um, <clears throat> and then I remember a friend of mine just saying, oh, you know, if you start a dance class, maybe it's something that can really open you up physically and um, sort of help you get over this stage fright. Um and so I asked my mum to take me to a hip-hop class <laughs> after hours. And I just kind of immediately fell in love with it. I don't know what happened, but I was just really obsessed. And it's, yeah, one of those things in my personality, I get really obsessed with something and it's just like completely gung-ho, like tunnel vision. So I, um, from there... Yeah, got addicted and then just asked mum to take me to a contemporary class um, and then a ballet class and then asked if I could join, um, yeah, more dance classes in general. Um, and then as uh, high school went on, it got more and more intense and then I had to basically choose if I wanted to continue studying music or not um, because dance was basically getting in the way. Um, and then that's when I had the conversation with my parents towards the end of year 10 and just said, look, I'm quite clear with what I want to do. Um, and I know that you've sacrificed so much for my music studies, but it's just not turning me on anymore. I'm not very happy doing it. And dance is giving me a new, a new lease on life, basically. How did they take um, that? Um, it, it was a lot. I think, you know, bless them, I love my parents so much, and they, they really support me. Um, at the time, it was terrifying for them, and I could see that, and I was terrified <laughs> for them as well, because I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and they had no idea what I was getting myself into either. So, it, it you know, both of them... Um, they were refugees from the Vietnam War, and I was their first child to be born and raised in a Western society. And so that in itself is 
terrifying. But then, you know, to have your child say to you, oh, I want to pursue a career in something that is just non-existent, <laughs> you know, at that time in Vietnam. Um, where do you go? What do you say? So, yeah, it, it was a lot. And, but they, yeah, they could see that I was just completely obsessed. So then they, they did it anyway. Thank God. What instruments and stuff were you playing at the time? Um, I started playing the piano when I was like six or seven. Um, and then during primary school, I picked up the flute. And then from there, I started playing the clarinet. And then I went to high school to play the clarinet, actually. Um, and because the <clears throat> it's a woodwind instrument, it's also the same mouthpiece as the saxophone. So then I picked up the saxophone. <laughs> and it was, it was one of those things where, like, as a child, I was also really obsessed with it. So I just, I couldn't stop. I was like, I want to do this, I want to do that. I just wanted to one-up myself all the time. Um, do you play any instruments now? Uh, no. I mean, whenever there's, like, a piano in a dance studio, I would entertain myself. But um, I'm not doing my scales anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Does the music inform, like, your understanding of music inform the way you dance? I mean, obviously music and dance are so closely linked, so I don't mean in terms of, you know, just putting on music, but is there, do you think, a closer relationship between the two for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's kind of like riding a bike. You will always have this thing that was really close to you from a young age. Um, it would just kind of stay with you. And, and especially now, actually working with Akram, he's a he's a an incredibly musical person. Um, and actually. I really see the music in his body. I see the rhythms and um, it's so clear. And he, uh, the work that we're doing at the moment with him really demands that as well. And um, throughout the creation, creation process, the composer, Vincenzo, was there making the music with us in a way. So um, throughout this show, I'm kind of singing to myself, actually, or... Um, being extremely percussive with my body in a very musical way. So, um, yeah, for sure. So in terms of that um, coming out to your parents um, as somebody who's going to become a dancer and not really knowing what that meant or looked like, you then went and studied at New Zealand School of Dance. Yeah. And very shortly after you landed a gig at Chunky Move for Nook's first season. Is that right? Yeah. That must have been pretty um, incredible, I imagine. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, I remember getting this email uh, from Hillary Coyne <laughs> um, confirming that they'd like to offer the contract. And I just... I, I was in such a state. Like, I'd really um, wanted this gig... Um, and I just started crying and I just remember I just had to call mum and dad to tell them and my phone, I had a Nokia brick at the time 
and it was out of battery, and then I just kept crying, and I had to run around looking for a charger to plug it into a wall. I skipped class, called them, started crying <laughs> to my parents, saying, <laughs> okay, I got it. Um, but yeah, it was really special, um, and came at a, a perfect time, so. What, yeah. what did you learn professionally that you were taught in kind of training, like the reality of actually performing professionally is quite different than training, I imagine. Yeah, um, I think in training, um, and I can only speak for my time at uh, New Zealand, um, the training that we had there was really rigorous and, and very physical and um, demands a very grounded and earthy and explosive fire power kind of um strength in the body and i think what that taught me was a lot of resilience and how to manage strength and power in my body um and you know my body was really young at the time i mean i <laughs> i guess i'm still young um but at the time yeah i I definitely was able to continually push and push and push and continuously break boundaries and kind of uh, allowed myself to get drunk off of this intensity. Um, and so to take that power into a professional environment with a nook was really special because she, she was really good at... Um, asking me to sort of distill and gain a different control over this intense firepower that I'd brought from school. <clears throat> and um, so, yeah, she really took me under her wing and allowed me to use my strengths in a very um, sustainable way, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the look on your face before indicated that there was there's been some sort of shift you know like in terms of that young yeah. you know putting it all out there to something that maybe is like quite different to yeah. quite different now yeah i mean especially now working more in europe you you get to meet a lot of dancers that are a lot older than you you know twice three times older than you like we're working with a beautiful man um, who's just turned 69 in the cast. And um, to see the difference uh, that, yeah, that, that happens, it, the changes that happen in the body, it's really um, inspiring and also a reminder that nothing is permanent and every moment is like a privilege and a gift and, you know, all that la-di-da stuff. <laughs> so, um yeah. Well, dance could be sure. accused of kind of rarefying the young body, the fit, the all that kind of stuff, and to the detriment of kind of an older body that is often just as capable in different ways. And you do see dancers and hear of dancers and choreographers kind of testing those boundaries, but quite often the industry yeah. as a whole kind of has this, uh, particularly maybe in Australia, this this focus on the youth and the focus on that kind of yeah. particular demographic of dancers, I guess. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time and sort of and, and been feeling as well. Um, that there is a a large number of highly employed dancers in Australia that are just in their young 20s or mid-20s. Um, and I, I never really thought about it so much until I moved to Europe and and noticed how that actually the the average age is kind of late to late 20s to early 30s and that's sort of considered peak um whereas there aren't as many dancers at that age that are working intensely in Australia um in our circle so and why do you think that is i'm not sure i mean i could we could endlessly speculate about it, but I feel like um, in Australia, the work can can be extremely physical and demanding and the younger bodies are able to just have that um, <laughs> gift of recovering more quickly and to also just blindly go in and, and, and do it and, and, you know, dance first, think later. Um, and I think you learn a lot um, on the job in that way, and then maybe everyone kind of just goes to Europe after. <laughs> Gets a bit seasoned and kind of uh, a nicely cooked steak. <laughs> you know, and then when, you're, when you're nice and primed, you just go off and, and dance in other parts of the world, maybe, I don't know. Well, talking about that, you obviously did very well in Australia and you're getting heaps of work and what have you and then you as a prime stake um moved to move to Europe what was the yearning why obviously it's a path that so many people have you know taken before you but what was it that kind of drove you I guess um I think you know Australia is is small and isolated but at the same time there is so much exchange between um, Europe and Australia for some reason. Um, and there are a lot of Australian dancers working successfully in, in Europe. And I've met a lot of those working dancers throughout my time at school and in the industry in general. So I, there was always this, um, interest in that. And I mean, for me personally, I'd, um, I was really inspired by City Labi Chikawi's work, um, when I first started dancing and a friend of mine who'd worked with him a lot, James O'Hara, um, we're both from Perth. Um, and so I'd remember watching a lot of videos and things on YouTube because that was what you did <laughs> back then. Um, and I just remember seeing those videos and thinking, this is it, like, this is what I want to be doing. Um, and once again, one of those obsessed tunnel vision moments, that was my goal. And I don't know, it just, it happened so quickly. Um, I just remember getting a call from him, um, whilst I was in Melbourne at like 10 PM and I was washing the dishes and we had very sort of, um, 
random back and forths via social media the last couple of years. But then I think I'd recently done an Eastman workshop uh, in Amsterdam and one of his dancers, who was also his rehearsal director, um, we, we'd met there and I think maybe he said that he showed him a video of me or something and, and then maybe James had spoken about me. I don't know, but it just happened really quickly and he asked if I was available to just come over and just make stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I mean, sure. Let <laughs> me finish the dishes. Yeah, I, I just need a moment because it, it's just really surreal when you're you're so used to hearing someone's voice on YouTube or on the computer and then suddenly it's coming out of your phone and it's interactive. So <laughs> I just needed a moment. <laughs> um, and yeah, just it happened really quickly. So that was nice. I remember when we first met, you were talking about, you know, Eastman and going over there and wanting to work there. So yeah. you obviously realised it. Yeah, it... Um, it was really unexpected, and I, yeah, I feel really humbled, and, and it was such a privilege, and it was such a gift, because then also it just kind of opened my eyes to many other ways of working, meeting so many people, being exposed to other cultures, and um, sort of realising how different the world is you know in other places and of course the world is small but also it's so massive inside of it what were some of those realizations um i mean there, there were many sort of the more obvious ones like being able to work with people um from all different ages and cultures and different backgrounds and and different practices that was a big thing for me um you know, working for a couple of years before that with Anouk um, and studying counter technique very intense, intensely, that was sort of my my foundation and the thing that I was exposed to um, pretty much that whole time. And so to to go to Europe and to meet other people that also have done the same amount of research in their physicality, but in something else, another practice, um, and to meet them and exchange with them and learn with them, that was really special and actually really important to me at the time. Um, I mean, it still is. Uh, yeah, that for me was really special. And since moving over, you know, this side, Europe side of the world, um, you've been going back to Australia to create different things or working different, you know, works. What's that like going kind of back? Are there things that you bring with you or are there things that kind of shift or change based on your experience? Yeah. Um, I mean, I always love going back to Australia because it's home for me and, you know, all that obvious stuff. But um, I don't know. I... I for sure am influenced and moved by so many people that I work with. Um, and so, of course, it comes out in my body if I'm creating and collaborating with with other people, 
no matter where I am, whether it's in Europe or Australia. So, um, yeah, that's a hard question. <laughs> a lot of artists talk about, you know, things that are uniquely Australian or things, you know, that have informed their work. Do you relate to that at all in terms of your dance? Are there things that you feel like are unique, you know, uniquely Australian or unique to what you bring? Um, it's hard to say. I, I guess, I mean, I, working with Anouk, she, she's Dutch, so, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I already felt like I was in Europe when I started working with her, in, in a, in an odd way. You know, she, she had brought over, um, two or three of her, um, past company members that she worked with when she was in Holland. Um, and so we had this European experience inside of Chunky Move, which was really exciting. Um, but I think what was really nice for Anoka, I, I vaguely remember her saying, there's, there's a groundedness in the training here in Australia and New Zealand. There's something about the dancers in this part of the world that um, they're really earthy and, and very grounded. And this is what I typically hear a lot in various parts of the world when people reference Australian dancers, that there is this kind of firepower and, and, and uh, like, fat feet grounded, rooted into the floor. Um, you know, big lunges and plies, strong legs strong floor work, um, which is, I think, very typical of Australia, I, I think. Yeah. I hear other people also talk about space and kind of a different relationship to space. Um, oh, um, yeah. Like, a, a lot of space eating. <laughs> yeah. Which, I think, in Europe... The, I mean, most of the largest studios I've ever been in are generally either in Australia or in New Zealand. Um, and in Europe, the spaces are generally a lot smaller or there'll, there'll be like three pillars in the middle of the room to hold the building up. Or um, so, And yeah, a, a lot more dancers in Europe. So there is less space. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think that that somehow influences the way the dancers eat up the space or hold the space. Yeah. You can't be slapping people in the face with <laughs> if you're all crammed into a tiny studio. <laughs> no, can't do that. Or running into a pole that's holding the building up. For the sake, For the sake of, of art. art. <laughs> Sustainability of your career and all that as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then you, um, after spending quite a lot of time over there, you then moved to London for new, new adventures. Do you want to talk about that yeah. move and, yeah, where you are and what you're doing now? Um, <clears throat> well, that also was kind of an unexpected turn, to be honest. I, um, I think I was in Europe towards the second, towards the end of the second year of my time in Europe and, um, to be honest, I was getting quite burnt out and um, really exhausted. And I was in my mid-twenties and 
started to get to that point where I was really asking myself a lot of questions and what I wanted to do and, and, and what I was doing and how I was doing it and if it was giving me the same excitement and joy. Um, and I think, yeah, it was just where I was at as a person. Didn't really have anything to do with, you know, the work or anything that I was doing. Um, maybe like a quarter-life crisis or something? <laughs> I don't know. But I was surrounded by a lot of self-doubt and questioned dance and what my contribute contribution was um in that space and in the world and um I decided to take a bit of time off and yeah had seriously considered moving back to Australia and during that time uh a friend of mine sent through um the Akram Khan audition, um, and she had said, look, I, I don't think this is for you, but I just felt compelled <laughs> to send it to you. And I thought, well, what is that supposed to mean? Um, but it definitely sparked a curiosity, and yeah, I... To be honest, when I, when I read... When I saw the audition, I was like, I, I, I don't think that's for me. <laughs> I, I agreed with her. You know, Akram is um, such an opposite kind of dancer to me. And I thought, well, I don't think he would find any interest in the way that I move. And maybe we have different interests. I don't know. But, you know, that was my first gut instinct. And then a couple of days went by and I sort of let it cook for a little bit. And then I thought, actually, I think this is what I, <laughs> this is what I'm looking for something completely different, um, someone to challenge me in a different way and to ask different things of me as an artist. Um, and I looked at the audition dates and I, th I think we needed to be there for about a week um, in London and I was working in Brussels at the time and it was during um, a month of shows and I remember... Um, I had a day and uh, uh, two days that I was free that I could make it to the audition. And I thought, I'll just give it a go. And I emailed them and just said, look, I, I know it's a big ask, but I can't be there for the whole week. I can only be there for basically just a day and a half. Um, but I really would like to go. So if you're happy to have me there for that short amount of time, then I'll get the tickets. Um, and it worked out, I ended up going for that day and a half and it, it was a really special experience and I had a really good feeling from it and yeah, it, it, it worked out and, um, uh, yeah, maybe like six months later I was on a, a plane to London. <laughs> How ser serendipitous, you know, to have your friend and, you know, just those short days off and yeah it yeah, really beautiful huh? yeah it just happened I don't know slowly but quickly at the same time I can't really describe it it was just oddly organic and now if I think back and I thought wow I guess it could not have happened 
in a better way. <laughs> Just nice. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm. How long have you been? How long have have I been with the company? Yeah. Um. Well, I came to the creation in March. Um. So, but yeah, since then, um, the creation was about two or three months, and we've just been touring since then, quite extensively, and um, it's been a real journey. Like uh, I, I haven't had an experience like this before, and it was definitely something that I was looking for, and I feel really challenged in the best ways, and I feel really nurtured and really excited and inspired. Um, by the people around me. Um, I definitely had moments where I thought, I don't really know if this is the right thing for me. Um, because, you know, there were moments where it was really difficult. Um, but then you you break past your own boundaries and you really surprise yourself. And, um, yeah, then it really is just like a privilege to be able to have those those moments in your working life. So, yeah. I mean, it really is just the beginning. I think we're going to be touring until 21, which is quite daunting. Wow. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I'm really excited to to be a part of it. And is this the same work that will be touring that whole time? Yeah. So it's kind of like being on Broadway, but not. <laughs> My Broadway dreams. <laughs> How is that in terms of performing the same same work? Like, because obviously that's so different to what you'd get in Australia, you know. Yeah. You, know, you do do a short season. You might get a tour if you're lucky, but you know the number of shows that you're doing is generally um, somewhat limited. Yeah, totally. Like I, I remember in Australia working so intensely, leading up to just one season, that was probably barely a week long. And then maybe you would tour it a year later down the track and do, like, two shows in some European city and then go home. Which is, yeah, it's that's it's really difficult. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there are always, you know, pros and cons with everything. But with this one, it's the first time that I can really wholeheartedly sink my teeth into this show and to see it grow um, and to also feel myself growing inside the show. Um, and I mean, this show is, it's so demanding on so many levels for me. I am physically pushed beyond my limits every time, emotionally, spiritually, um, and the work involves a lot of violence and trauma for my part, and I really have to sort of actively take myself away from that. It, it's it's really narrative-driven, um, and it really takes a lot out of me to kind of face that trauma again and again every night, and so I have definitely learnt how to... Um, yeah, I've, like, had to learn new skills to to break through that um, and perform authentically without hurting myself. Um, but 
that in itself is an amazing opportunity as well. Um, and I, I can't, maybe, I don't want to say for the first time, but it's definitely a moment where I can actively really connect this art form and what I'm doing with my spirituality and because I guess spirituality for me was something that um, was just so beyond me but something that I really wanted to understand more and research within myself um, outside of dance but actually in performing this work a number of times and accepting where the work takes me in terms of its extremity, I think it is so much, it is my spiritual practice actually, because it's this repetition, it's this ritual, it's this um, coming back to again, finding comfort in, challenging myself in, I think all of those things, that's what it means for me spiritually. Um, and so to be able to connect my work and my art to also my spirituality and make that become one big package. I yeah. I don't even know what you asked me before anymore. <laughs> Just going off on a tangent. No, it sounds really before. lovely. Like that connection to what is something that obviously you're so passionate about, to something that is part of a bigger question or a bigger sense of your being, um, must be a beautiful realization. I mean, it's it's not. an easy one and it definitely didn't come through um letting go or doing less it actually came through me doing more than what I thought I needed to do which is kind of interesting um and I'm sure I probably that perspective on it personally will change later on down the track probably but yeah that's where I'm at right now in the world of dance or outside of the world of dance or what it, wherever it is happening, what is exciting you at the moment? What's excited you in 2019? Oh, in general? Yeah. It could be in dance, it could be in art, it could be music, it could be in anything. Oh, gosh. That's well, a really hard question because, I mean, every day I'm being bombarded with very uninspiring things happening in the media right now. So (laughs) it's hard to um, see a lot of the good stuff. Um, It's unfortunately a really hard question, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess if I narrowed it down to something that inspires me is I guess what I love about the dance world is that it it has the possibility of bringing together so many different cultures, so many different people, beliefs, um, ways of thinking, ways of being in a space. Um, And I've been really lucky in the sense of every time I do a project with a bunch of different people, from different places, we always find a common ground and um, a way to exist and support one another and to create something really beautiful um, together. And I feel that 
the amount of people that are in the room that are so extremely different from one another, but are still able to find that common ground and that connection with one another, then it's completely possible with the rest of the world. And so I think there are times at work where I am really emotional and inspired by what I see um, and what is happening around me. Um, and it really brings me hope for the rest of the world. So I think that's that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. As always, you can find out more about this episode with links to a range of other interesting episodes at delvingintodance.com. Delving Into Dance operates from donations from you, the listener. So if you want to support spreading the message of dance further and further, please do give generously. We also acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government through Creative Victoria and the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advocacy body. Until next time, take care.